welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Endries, hosting alongside Jake Deemer. Jake, welcome back. We're taking these longer breaks, obviously only doing one episode every two weeks for the playoffs. Feels like feels like it's taken a long time to move from matchup to matchup. How are you doing since the last two weeks when we talked? Yeah, the baseball season moves a lot slower when you don't have any fantasy teams in the game. My my dynasty team got eliminated. Uh, I've been out of my grandpa's league now for like a month. And uh, I still got my worst ball team, though. Got the worst up. ball team is still cruising. So you, yeah. were, you were not the best, but you uh, are succeeding at being the worst. Yeah, my uh, my big two-star pitcher this week is Packy Naughton from the, the Angels. I'm looking for him to get absolutely shelled. I have never even heard of that guy. And there are not a lot of baseball players that I've never heard of at the major league level. So that'll be interesting. Packy not. Anyway, uh, welcome back to episode 23, our championship preview. Uh, We're going to start off as we have the last two episodes with our fantasy league awards. And this is going to be the final edition of that segment this season. So... Over the last two episodes, we've given out awards for Worst Trade Offer, Best Negotiator, uh, Best Trader, Best Candidate for Comeback Manager of the Year, obviously looking at next year. But today, we have what I would, and maybe we'll change this up for next season so that we don't get repetitive year over year, but we have what I would consider to be, I don't want to say the two biggest awards. Um, but I would say the ones that I guess hold the most water to me, which are most valuable manager. So that's basically somebody who just put in the extra time. And to me, it's somebody that put in the time and effort to kind of cultivate the league into being something special to being something, uh, more worthwhile than just your typical run of the mill fantasy league. And then the other one is best manager. So who everyone thought or everyone that voted thought was the best manager, like plain and simple, who did the best, who who was the most skillful this season. Uh, so we will jump into those. And I'm going to start with best manager. And we had five total nominations for each award this week. So decent participation. Uh, the nominations were Sam, who got one vote. Nick, who also got one vote. Uh, me, I got one vote as well. And then our winner was Big Money Mike, who got two nominations. And the breakdown was that Sam got nominated by JC. Uh, Nick got nominated by me. I got nominated by Nick. We did not plan that, by the way. And then Big Money Mike got the nods from Jake and Jordan. So Big Money Mike, congratulations for being voted uh, as best manager this year for our keeper, our, our keeper league. And then our second award, our last award for the season, most valuable manager. We had three different people get nominated for this. The first one was Mike. He got one vote. The second one was me. I got two votes. And the third one, I'm actually, even though it's a tie, I'm going to dub him as the winner of the most valuable manager award. It was Jordan. And the breakdown of those votes were Mike was nominated by JC. I was nominated by Jake and Jordan and Jordan was nominated by me and my brother, Nick. Uh, And I just want to speak to, I think I'm, you know, kind of talked about him a little bit 
on last week's episode after the sportsbook segment, but obviously Jake and I have put a lot of time and effort into making this podcast. And even before we started the podcast up, I still remember back in college going to Jake's house over some winter break. And we sat down for a few hours to write up the league constitution. So it's obvious at this point that Jake and I have cared about the league enough to put in the time to try to make it something special. Right. But we kind of had a stake in it as like the two quote unquote head honchos, the two guys that run the league, try to set up the rules, think through rule dilemmas year over year when we're considering changes. But Jordan, uh, starting with last season, kind of came up with this idea to, to make it fun and, and do something like I'll call, I'll call it extracurricular to kind of increase participation, even among those people that aren't necessarily the top performers week over week or year over year or come playoff time. He came up with, you know, his own little sports book. And last year we just did it as a fun little side competition. But this year when we started the podcast, it took off as its fun little niche segment every week. And I've enjoyed listening to it. I've enjoyed the impact that it's had on how I view matchups week to week as somebody that has to pick winners for every matchup on this podcast is somebody that has to pick a best matchup. I've just enjoyed the element that it's added to our league, not just for the podcast, but just to the league in general. I think it makes it a lot more fun. And Jordan by no means had to do that, but he puts in a, he, he puts in the time every week out of his own schedule to, uh, to provide that content for us. So I congratulations to Jordan. I definitely think that you are the most valuable manager for the 2021 season. Jake, do you have anything to add with these last two awards? Uh, definitely appreciate the sports book. The reason I went with Mike is the best manager. I think partially was, I, I just think like his kind of gunslinger style with trading was really fun to see. Uh, my favorite stat of the whole year is that Mike out of, of all those trades, he has two players left that he originally drafted uh, Tatis and Woodruff. Those are the last two men standing from that, that week one roster that I said, I really liked. Those are the last two. And uh, I just, I, I, I love the, uh, the style of trading where it was just not caring at all. And Nick did this too, but it was, this was kind of something that Mike had done even before this year where we just don't, don't even care about the fees, just uh, trade everyone. Nobody's untouchable. Uh, and it's, it was just something really interesting to see. And I, it was fun to watch him make all the, make all the trades, even some of the, even some of the head scratchers. Yeah, that's a good point. And to speak to my nomination who didn't win, but I feel like uh, it's appropriate to also speak to his management style because he's the other half of our championship matchup this coming period. It's Nick. Uh, he is not only in the championship his first ever year of playing fantasy baseball for our keeper league that I consider to be pretty competitive. He's also in the championship for the dynasty league that I started up him and Eddie who co-manage a team in that dynasty league. And so Nick is uh, proven to me. I know that some of you guys only play with him in a limited capacity, whether it's one league for baseball or just one league for football, or maybe you have a, a little bit more exposure to him and you play in both of those formats, but I've co-managed teams with Nick. I've played in multiple leagues against him in multiple sports. We've co-managed a basketball team this past year where both of us gave it a try for the very first time ever, and we won the league. And it's just, I remember talking a while back saying, like, I was 1A, Nick was 1B in terms of overall fantasy success. But 
this year, this baseball season in particular, Nick proved to me that he is uh, the premier standard of a fantasy manager with, you know, we all talked up baseball as being harder than football because football, there's a lot of luck involved. And we thought at least there's a solid group of us that thought anybody can win a fantasy football league, but the worst fantasy manager in your league has no shot to win if it's in baseball. Uh, and Nick, I don't, I didn't, I didn't think he was the worst coming in, but he kind of kicked that notion to the side as a first year player for the sport and went two for two on championship appearances, which is very impressive. So Nick and Mike uh, both did an awesome job this year. Both had a very similar style, like you said, with just throwing caution to the wind with trade fees, and it really paid off for them. They're both uh, there are our two championship finalists. So I'm excited to to look ahead and talk about that matchup. But first, Jake, let's talk about our prior week recap, looking at the semifinals matchups. So the first matchup was in the East Division. It was Nick versus Jerwin, Pine Run Market versus Team Positivity. And the final score for that matchup over the combined two-week period was Nick 624.5 to Jerwin's 498 points. So Nick ended up coming out on top by over a 125-point margin. Jake, do you want to just give me a little bit of your breakdown and input on this semifinals matchup? Yeah, well, uh, Nick's first week is what really did it. He just kind of exploded there for 400 points, and he was led by Marcus Simeon and Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, They each got a little over 52 points. Overall, from this matchup, Nick actually got 361 points from his offense, so his offense is kind of firing on all cylinders entering the final matchup period. It was a very good thing. But in addition to that, his starters averaged nearly 15 points per game. And while that doesn't seem like a lot for maybe like one starter, to have all your guys that you're starting average 15 points, that's pretty good. And you're you're not going to hurt yourself with that at the very least. And you're definitely going to be competitive each and every week with the uh, especially with the offensive performance that he had. Uh, really fun Jerwin side, though, he didn't really have a terrible matchup, but he also didn't get any outstanding performances from anyone uh, that he really needed to cover up, cover the ground that he lost in that first week. Uh, He was paced by Josh Bell, both in a one week score. And uh, overall, Bell Bell only got 31 points um, in one week, which is a lot, but that was the most that anyone on his team got over a one week period. And nobody topped, nobody else besides Bell topped 50 points in total. I also wanted to make a note that relievers hurt Darwin as well. Um, He only averaged about 12 points per reliever over the matchup period, which is not really a whole lot considering it's a two weeks. It's a two week period. Yeah, those are some good thoughts and insights. Um, I'm probably going to sound like an echo chamber. I don't think that a whole lot needs to be said here as the matchup pretty much panned out as we expected it to. It's worth noting that Jerwin got somewhat unlucky uh, I know that that's a buzzword for Jordan. Jaron did get somewhat unlucky as the second highest scorer in these two matchups out of four total teams. But it's also hard to say that a 15 and 23 team by record that made it all the way to the semifinals got unlucky. Um, as far as looking at the matchup itself, the quartet of Marcus Semien, Teoscar Hernandez, Cedric Mullins, and Lance McCullers Jr. combined to score. points in this two-week matchup for Nick, which is more than one-third of his total output from just four players. 
Uh, so that's pretty crazy in and of itself. Meanwhile, Jerwin only got a combined 173.2 points from his top four scorers, which yielded a disparity greater than 60 points between each team's best performers. And unfortunately for Jerwin, he cannot or could not match Nick's firepower at the top, but he also did not have nearly the depth to beat him either. When you take a look at how the rest of each of the lineups stacked against each other, um, since that 60-point disparity I just mentioned is only roughly half of the total gap of 125 points between Nick's final score and Jerry's. So he couldn't, he couldn't match Nick's talent at the top. He couldn't match the depth that you know Nick had behind his top talent. I think it was the result that we both expected. Um, so we can kind of move on from that. Mike versus Sam, the West matchup division semifinals matchup. This one, I'll lead us off, Jake. This matchup was a lot closer. Again, we kind of expected that. Unfortunately for Sam, the Cinderella run ended here as he not only fell short on the total final score of the matchup, but he actually lost both of the two individual week matchups, which uh, I didn't mention this. Maybe you did. But Jerwin actually was able to beat Nick in the second week. It's just that Nick crushed him in week one, which is why he beat him by 125 points. Well, Sam wasn't able to top Mike in either of their two week match or their two individual week matchups. Ultimately, this one came down to offense as Sam's offense was outscored by Mike's by nearly 150 points on the entire matchup. Interestingly enough, Juan Soto was the only stud hitter on Mike's team to consistently deliver a quality performance across both weeks as Jose Ramirez had a quiet first half of the matchup, although he did make up for it by having a huge second half of the matchup. I think he scored 42 points on his own in week two. Um, and then there was Fernando Tatis Jr., who was pretty pedestrian for the entire matchup, barely putting up 30 total points across the two weeks for Mike. And then on Sam's side of the matchup, your boy Jake, Austin Riley, he failed to score even one point for Sam. Uh, but that was partially because Sam benched him for the second week of the matchup after he failed to even clear the one-point threshold in week one. Ultimately, with these two matchups, Jake, I think the better two teams advanced as we expected them to, but Sam definitely has a lot to look forward to with his core of keepers next year. What was your uh, kind of takeaway and debrief on this Mike versus Sam matchup? Yeah, like you said, Sam's role kind of finally came to a screeching halt. Uh, Sale getting COVID really hurt. I think he missed out on two Chris Sale starts. Um, and he only scored four points in his first start anyways. But uh, overall, Sam actually hadn't scored as low as he did in either week since week 14, which was all the way back in the first week of July. And uh, since that was kind of before Sam's team took off too, because um, since that week he was eight and two over the course of the regular season. But uh, on the other side of it, um, Mike didn't even have really a great week, I guess, comparing to the week he just came off of. But I think that kind of speaks to the the boom bust um, nature of his team that we sort of touched on. Uh, like you like you said, he was kind of carried by a couple players. Ramirez and Soto both scored over 50 points total. I uh, got a big boost from Cruz over one week with 40 points. Also got big weeks from Kershaw and uh, Alec Manoa. Uh, they each scored over 34. But I did want to say that Mike um, – was kind of able to triumph despite his bullpen, which I will touch on a little later. But it was not, it's not looking great there. That's, that would be one spot that I'd be a little worried about. 
Yeah, I had the same thoughts in, in kind of taking a look at both Nick and Mike's rosters for the coming matchup um, as far as looking at his bullpen in particular. But if I didn't mention, the final score of that West Division semifinals matchup was Mike had 481.1 points to Sam's 425.8. So beat him by slightly under 60 points, which was about roughly half of the uh, margin between Nick and Jerwin. So obviously twice as close as that East Division semifinals matchup. So that brings us to our official matchups for the championship round. So your, I'll go with the third and fourth place matchup first is the two wildcard teams, the seven seed, Sam, weak pullout hitter, versus Jerwin, uh, who is the eighth seed, the second wildcard, Team Positivity. And of course, uh, the crowning moment. No, maybe not everyone is is excited at this point since it's not them in it besides Nick and Mike. But your crowning moment, the championship matchup for 2021 uh, in our Keeper League is the second place team from the East Division, Nick, Pine Run Market, who is one of our expansion teams new this year, not just to the league, but to fantasy baseball overall. Super impressive. And then your third place team from the West Division, Mike, uh, Big Money Mike. He uh, is now making his first championship appearance, and I think this is his, I want to say either fourth or fifth year in the league. So very exciting for both of these guys. Let's look into the matchups themselves and, uh, and, and talk about them. So out of these two, and I'm, we're going to actually talk about both, not just the title game, but also the third and fourth place matchup. Out of these two matchups, who would you consider to be the favorite in, in each matchup, Jake? I think Nick has to be the favorite in the championship matchup. Uh, just looking at his at the two rosters, I think um, while they are fairly even, like I said before, I think the bullpen really sticks out to me as kind of a weak point on Mike's roster. Whereas I don't see the same, I can't really see the say the same for Nick. Plus, I'm plus you got to kind of count on the the week that Nick just had. His his guys are really rolling right now. And the other one, I have per source. But Sam is tanking. So I have to say the chair one is the gasp. Yeah, I'm with you. I think so. In full disclosure, I'm rooting for Mike to win the championship because he said, and I know he'll keep his promise, that if he wins the league this year, he is going to get big money Mike tattooed on himself. You if have you're to not, if you're not rooting for Mike in this you league, have to root for Mike. It? Uh, Even Nick should be rooting for Mike, quite frankly. I agree. I agree. He Nick wants to win. He's not going to root for Mike. <laughs> but I said, you can't even look at it as a loss if you end up losing to Mike. I said, Nick, you should consider benching your lineup so that Mike gets big money Mike tattooed on himself. But Nick wouldn't do that. He's definitely rooting for himself still. If, if Mike gets the tattoo, he is a shoo-in for most valuable manager. Because I never <laughs> would have thought that anyone would put would place like a tattoo on the line. And hey, Mike's the guy. Yeah. I'm excited for it. I'm not knocking for it. I'm I'm excited. I hope it happens. I'm I excited. hope it happens too. Uh despite that, I think that Nick is the favorite. His team I think is strong besides maybe you know, if you're comparing the top 3 hitters on each side, it's really hard to argue that Tatis Soto and Jose Ramirez are not the talent, the the most talented trio of hitters, not just in this matchup, but in our league of twelve total teams. 
But outside of that, I think Nick has got the edge in just about every area of their rosters. So I think that Nick is the favorite here. I will answer the question for the other matchup as if Sam was not rolling out an empty lineup or tanking this matchup. I think the the favorite would easily be Sam, even though he had somewhat of a down week on his own standards. And even though he would have lost to Jerwin had they played each other head-to-head for the semifinals round, I still think that Sam has the better team. And if he were to field a full lineup and actually try, I think Sam would be the favorite. But he's not. Uh, which matchup do you think would be closer? I think we can kind of just move through this quickly. If Sam's tanking, it's obviously going to be the title game. Which matchup would be more likely to see an upset? This is an interesting question. I'm going to ask you this as if Sam was setting his full lineup. Which one do you think would be more likely to see an upset, assuming Sam and Nick are the favorites? Jake. Uh, I'm going to say the championship round just because we know that Mike has that, Mike's team has that ability to just absolutely pop. And he did against, against your team in round one. He can score up there with anyone. And he can outscore any team. Yeah, I don't know if I'm if it's if this is just due to recency, but I think that the this the third and fourth place matchup, if Sam were to try, would uh, even still be more likely to see Jerowin win than we than you know the probability of Mike winning the championship matchup. No disrespect to Mike, but Jerowin's coming off of a really good week, as I kind of briefly touched on he was the second highest scoring team of the four total teams still alive and i know we talk about talent a lot and how it matches up with the person that you're playing on any given week or in this case in two week matchups but i think that you also have to weight um almost equally as heavily how the team has performed recently and jerwin's coming off of a you know a solid not great performance but sam is coming off of a down performance. So if they were both, you know, fielding full lineups, or I should say if both teams in each matchup were fielding full lineups, I'm going to fall on the other side and say that the third and fourth place matchup would still see Jerwin having a better chance to win, uh, whether Sam set his lineup or not. That's something interesting to note. But for this last question, Jake, we're going to limit it to just the two teams in the championship matchup itself. You were limited to just one player on each team. Uh, who are your picks for the X Factor players in the championship matchup? Give me uh, the one that you have for Nick's team first. Yeah, so for Nick, I have Shohei Otani. Um, and my reasoning is he actually, I believe it was last week, um, did not play Otani in his lineup. Or maybe it was, uh, maybe he had him. No, he did play him, but he only scored one point. Uh, Otani's been slumping a little bit recently and we're. For, there was a while there where he was actually the number two overall hitter in the league, which is very impressive given that he can also pitch. But uh, Shohei Otani is very special. Uh, I just had to get that out of the way. But um, take a drink. Yeah, take a drink. If he can get back to, if he, if he can kind of, he has two weeks to kind of snap out of it. And uh, and I think that if he can do that, that gives Nick a hitter that would be able to match up with like a Soto, Tatis, one of Mike's big big three that we have said he kind of he he doesn't have the guys really to match but uh on the other side of that shoyotani has been pretty bad lately and if he kind of stays into that he's only been averaging over the last two weeks he's been averaging 1.2 points per game and uh that potentially might not cut it if especially if mike gets off to a hot start 
Okay. Yeah. Shohei Otani was one of the guys from Nick's team that I was considering. Glad that I didn't go that route since that was your selection. My pick for Nick's X Factor player is Carlos Rodon, the guy that I don't want to say made Nick's team because it's too complete of a team at this point to say that any one player makes or breaks the team. But I think that Carlos Rodon has been kind of the foundation of success from the very beginning of the season for Nick. Um, just discovering that diamond in the rough that had Sparp eligibility and coming out and being a top five pitcher in the league for the first, what, two and a half, three months of the season. Well, lately, Carlos Rodon has been very workload managed. He has made three starts this month. We're now on September 20th, so it will have been three full weeks tomorrow. And he's basically been making just one start per week in that case. And that is not what you want to see. Um, even out of a Sparp in the championship matchup, you hope to get three starts from all of your guys, especially the best of your guys, which I would consider Carlos Rodon to be one of Nick's very best pitchers. And so I don't think it's a question of if he'll perform, if he's on the mound. I was kind of looking through his last seven starts, which I would consider to be somewhat down based on the standards that Carlos Rodon has set for himself this season. And even in his last seven starts, which I I would consider for Rodon's standards in 2021 to be a little bit off, he scored 80 points, which is about 11.5 points per game in that span. And that's his rough stretch. That's still pretty good for your relief pitcher spot, 11.5 points per game. And like I said, you're hoping, if you're Nick, to get three starts out of Carlos Rodon over this two-week matchup. So that is kind of like my player to watch. My X-factor player for Nick is Carlos Rodon. Will he get the volume, or are they going to continue to workload manage him and, and kind of take away a start that Nick is hoping for? Uh, give me your X-factor player on Mike's team, Jake. All right, so I can only pick one. Um, I'm going to pick Brandon Belt. Uh, he's he, He's been playing pretty well lately. Uh, 52 points over the last two weeks. So he's about, he's about 4.7 points per game. Um, the biggest thing for me is he gets a starting course this week. And I believe that the Rockies in that series are only, only throwing righties, which is a huge deal. And uh, for him to be able to go to course, he's hot right now. Uh, the Giants obviously have a good lineup. They still have things to play for. So I'm not sure with the Dodgers right there, I don't think that the Giants are in a position right now where they're going to be resting guys. So I I think that Brandon Belt could be a huge contributor, at least this first week, maybe the second week too. And that could give that could be a huge difference difference maker for Mike if he's able to get another hitter who's able to score about 40, 50 points. Yeah, Brandon Belt is an interesting pick. Uh, I think he was actually on Mike's bench as recently as last night, which is interesting. So a late lineup addition for Mike, your X-Factor player. For me, it's a familiar face. It's a guy that's been on Mike's team going back to last season, one of the only two remaining from draft day this year. It's Brandon Woodruff. And unlike Carlos, or I should say similar to Carlos Rodon, Brandon Woodruff has had a pretty rough stretch um, for his own standards, going back a while now. But unlike Rodon, his rough stretch, I would actually still consider to be pretty rough. So if you actually go back to trade deadline day itself, July 31st, Brandon Woodruff has made eight starts since that day. 
He scored 78 total points, and that would bring his points per game average over those starts to 9.75 points per game, which is not, you know, that's not going to kill you. But for your SP1, the guy that you've been leaning on as your ace all year long, and for Brandon Woodruff himself, who at points throughout this year was not only being considered a, you know, a top three dynasty starting pitcher, but he was being considered by some a top three starting pitcher overall, regardless of format. Uh, that is a down stretch for sure for Brandon Woodruff, scoring less than 10 points per game for basically the last two months now. Mike's going to need him to snap out of it. He's going to need the same thing from Brandon Woodruff as Nick needs from Carlos Rodon. Three starts. That is what he is hoping for. That's what you hope for from your top guys in a two-week matchup, especially late in the you know in the season in a championship round. But he doesn't only need the volume from Brandon Woodruff. Like I think for Carlos Rodon, if he gets the volume, he'll be fine. He'll perform. I don't have. Uh, the same level of confidence in Woodruff based on how he has pitched over the last two months. So Mike not only needs and needs to hope for three starts from Woodruff, but I think he needs to hope for Woodruff to rebound and be that centerpiece ace that he was for the first two to two and a half months of the season in this championship round. Um, because I think that Mike has a lot uh, smaller margin for error than Nick does if he wants to win this championship matchup. So Brandon Woodruff is my X factor player for Mike's team. If I can add one note on Mike's team. Uh, sure. You're talking before about kind of matching up Nick and Mike's rosters. And I said that the thing that really sticks out to me was Mike's bullpen. Uh, he's over the last two week matchups. This was against Sam. His bullpen scored negative 19.5 points uh, that's obviously not not good the matchup before before that when he played your team the uh, the bullpen really didn't chip in that much they scored 47.5 points uh which is really only about six points per reliever and that's really not good uh the guys that he's starting are just are, are not i mean it's it's too late in the year really to do anything about it but like Nick Anderson, he's not all the way back. I don't really trust him. His velo- I saw his velocity is way down from what it was. Uh, and I don't believe he's in the closer role for the Rays right now. Uh, Boxberger, he's, to me, he's more of a volume guy. Uh, you just hope that he pitches a bunch of innings and doesn't get a blown save or loss. Like, I don't think he's a guy who's going to absolutely dominate. Uh, Garcia's slowed down a lot. Luis Garcia, this he had, that's his spark. Um, and then in that last spot, he was starting Steck and Ryder and then uh, Richard Rodriguez. Neither one of them, I think, are really anybody who I'd want to trust in the championship game. But it's it's a tough situation because you don't – there's not a whole lot to do with it now. Uh, you have to, we have to start so many relievers in this league that you're kind of bound to have a couple a couple clunkers in there. But that's one spot when, I, that I'm, when I'm comparing the lineups that's definitely advantage Nick – for the bullpens. And that could be a big one because uh, if there's one, if there's one position, one, one piece of your lineup that can really, really torpedo your whole matchup, it's definitely the bullpen. So that's a, that was kind of a, something I wanted to notice that group, I think for Mike is going to be an X factor. It's not necessarily them performing really well and all scoring 15 to 20 points. It's kind of them just staying in the positive is I think you have to have like an equal worry about is them not completely screwing up the matchup 
So that was just something I wanted to note. I know we were only supposed to pick one, but I thought that that, that unit to me kind of stuck out the most out of any, any in either lineup. Yeah. And that's a fair point because not only are you hoping to just get a neutral performance out of your bullpen, if you're Mike, you got it at this point when you, when it's just one guy left that you're facing and you're trying to top for the championship, you got to look at the other guy's situation in that exact same area. Nick is very strong with his relief spots. He's got Carlos Rodon, Mark Melanson, who's been rock steady all year long. And he's got options. I mean, I'm not going to say Ranger Suarez is a lock and load, set it and forget it. He's going to be a stud out of your relief spot, but he's been good lately. Uh, Lou Trevino is still getting saves in Oakland, so that's at least at least an option, whereas Boxberger is never going to get saves in Milwaukee. Um, and then he has McGill on his bench too. So like Nick, where he doesn't have four absolute studs in his four relief spots. He does have two guys that are studs and then he has a lot of options behind them. So it's, yeah, it's going to be tough. You just hope for Mike, if you're Mike, that you, you know, get a neutral at worst performance from your bullpen as a whole, this, this two week period. But that brings us to our, a new segment that we're going to do for this week only. It's called top two takes and for this segment, we are actually going to be getting some input from Nick and Mike themselves. So similar to the trade deadline episode, we sent them a list of questions about their season and about this championship matchup in particular to get their takes on the matter. Uh, Jake, you actually came up with the question. So why don't you read off the list that we sent to them? All right. So we, we, we're going to ask them each five questions. Uh, well, they'll send in their responses. Uh, the first one is, are there any strategies that you credit most for your success down the stretch? Uh, the second one is, which player or players have been most critical for your success down the stretch? Uh, and by down the stretch, I think we mean like post-trade deadline into the playoffs. Um, then we kind of moved on to a question about this week, which is, which player or players in your starting lineup for this upcoming week are you least confident in for the championship matchup? Uh and we're going to have them give an, an official prediction. And the last question is obviously the most important one. Where are you putting the trophy if you win it? There you go. So those are some good questions from Jake that he sent out to Mike and Nick. And we're actually going to hand the floor over to them. So take it away, Nick and Mike. Hi, everybody. This is Nick, the manager of the Pine Run Market. And... I'm here with you, uh, just answering a few questions that Jake and Nate sent out for Mike and I to answer this championship week, which I'm thankful to be a part of. Uh, so question one, are there any strategies that you credit most for your success this season? I don't really have a specific strategy that was most critical other than the simple mindset and philosophy that um, you know I share and Nate and I talk about quite often with not just fantasy, but other aspects of life and that is always be looking to improve um, or at least boiling it down to that simple phrase with fantasy. And that uh, plays a big factor in kind of how I go about managing a team, whether it's always kind of looking how to make uh, negotiations or trades happen with other owners or probably more important, um, making sure to play the waiver wire often and look to play it well over time. Um, you know, it could be a big factor in a week-to-week matchup on the short term. And then if you're really uh, active in the day-to-day transactions, you know, picking up uh, on, you know, guys trending in the right direction on the waiver wire, 
and then grabbing them at the right time that can, you know, spell success in the long run. You know, it's no secret, but uh, actually putting in the practice, uh, it's, I guess, not really a skill. It's more of a habit of just putting it to practice throughout the entire season, which I found is pretty long for baseball. Uh, but I will point to that being a big point for this next part, this next question, which player has been most critical for your success <clears throat> down the stretch? And there's actually two, two that I picked up very late in the season off of the waiver wire. Uh, one was uh, I picked up in late July, and that was Logan Webb, starting pitcher for the San Francisco Giants. And he has been just, uh, I mean, pretty much an ace for my lineup. A guy I can place in without hesitation, no matter the matchup at this point. He's just a go-to. Um, so that was really uh, nice to pick him up and have really a lot of high-end stability with his production. And then the other guy that has been critical for my success, I picked up very late, uh, less than a month ago in late August, I picked up Ranger Suarez, uh, who's now a starting pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies. And he was in a relief role earlier in the year, and I became a starter uh, in the rotation. So he has that SPARP eligibility, if you're not familiar with him. And uh, he's not, you know, as, you know, big of a, big of a name or not big of a name, but he hasn't been as booming as high as Logan Webb has, but he has been rock solid, especially having the confidence, putting him in that RP position has been nice but since that can be just such a disappointment on some weeks. Um, even the top relief pitcher is just leaving you sometimes with big disappointments. Mike knows all about that. So he's been a big critical piece of um, just help or helping my team find success at the end of the year. And I think I get two starts out of him this first week in our matchup with Mike. So that's nice. Uh, which player in your starting lineup for this upcoming week are you least confident in or could be a problem for the championship matchup? There's one in particular I've been disappointed in recently, though I'm not really worried about him long term uh, after this year because he is, you know, one of my better eligible keepers. But the guy I've been disappointed in has been Shohei Otani. Um, I'm not sure how long that this tough or rough stretch he's had. Um, but he's a guy, despite him not booming lately uh, with his bat, he I've, I've, I've still been placing him in my, in my lineup and have had, you know, I keep using the word success. I've had success. I haven't lost a head to head matchup since uh, early June. And I've had him in my lineup the whole time through the ups and the downs with him. So he's not one I'm worried about being a make or breaker for the championship. I can afford that risk, I guess, since I have have overcome it already to uh, put him in without hesitation to wait for those booming weeks, but I'm certainly hoping for it. So he's been a disappointment. I'd say uh, probably the most of any other player in my lineup. <clears throat> what is your official prediction for the matchup? Um, I'd be lying if I said, I didn't think I was going to win. I do think I'm going to win, but I'm very well aware that uh, Mike has a solid team. He can win. And uh, sometimes I hope it doesn't happen to either of our teams. Sometimes other things play a factor despite performance, whether it's health or COVID or whatever the case is that can determine the matchup. Um, I hope that's not the case here for either team. And uh, we'll see who the, I guess, better fantasy player is. And where are you putting the trophy if you win? I don't really have a specific spot in mind. Maybe in my garage gym. Um, I don't know, maybe by where I'd make my morning coffee so I can take a peek at it each morning. 
Uh, I don't really have a specific spot though. I guess, I guess I'll just kind of figure that out if slash when uh, it, it comes to the Endry's household, Nick, not Nate. <laughs> um, but who knows, that might not even happen, but we'll see. But that's it for me. Um, just want to say thanks to everybody for again, welcoming me into the league and thanks to Jake and Nate for putting on this podcast each week. I know it's a lot of work and it adds a lot of value to this league and other leagues I'm a part of, um, you know, just part of, uh, the league with Nate and others who do the podcast with, and it's definitely a nice, uh, nice aspect to uh, doing fantasy with you all. So thanks again. And good luck to you, Mike. What's up guys. Big money, Mike here. Uh, Super excited for the championship between Nick and I. Um, we'll see how it goes. Definitely anxious, definitely excited for it. So first question, are there any strategies that you credit most for your success this season? Outside of the obvious of just making trades and making moves pretty consistently, I would just say that I was always active on the waiver wire. I was always looking at other teams' players just to see, like, how they're doing, how they're performing, and just honestly taking a gamble, taking a risk. And, I mean, clearly it's panned out this season. I'm in the title run. So, yeah, I would just say being active more or less. Uh, which players or, yeah, which player players has been most critical for your success down the stretch? Uh, I mean, outside of the obvious, like well, Juan Soto, Jose Ramirez, Fernando Tatis Jr., who have been huge for me. Um, I would say the one player that was really big time was Julio Urias. Um, when I traded from early this season, I thought maybe I could get like an SP25, SP20, and he's been much better than that. Um, he came out this season, breakout season, and I'm super excited that I get to keep him next year too. I think he's going to have another great year. Um, he's been a big part for me. And, a big staple for my team that I didn't want to move, didn't want to trade him. So, yeah, we'll be raised for sure. Uh, which player or players in your starting lineup for this upcoming week are your least confident or could be a problem for you in the championship matchup? Um, I would definitely say my relievers. Uh, they're not elite by any means necessary. Uh, Brad Boxberger. Um, I'm playing the Sparp Ashne, uh, Ashby. And um, Nick Anderson coming back still from injury. So I'm a little worried about that. Um, but I would say somebody who's like a more stable starter, maybe Joe Musgrove. I know he's pitching against San Francisco. And there can just be weeks where he can kind of underperform. But he can also have massive, huge weeks. So I would say Musgrove could potentially be an issue for me down the road. Um and what is your official prediction for the matchup? Y'all already know who I'm going to be picking. That's big money, Mike. Are you joking? I'm picking myself. I've beaten the top teams. I've beaten Nate twice. I've beaten Jake. I've beaten Courtney. And Nick is the only one I haven't beaten yet. And I'm coming. And I'm coming hard. I'm going to win. I am very confident in myself. I've been confident in my whole season, regardless of my uh, regular season record I've made it this far and I'm definitely going to have to pick myself on this one winning for the tattoo all right thanks guys uh, great season and I will talk to you guys later 
those were your top two takes from Nick and Mike themselves. Thanks, guys. And we look forward to having whichever one of you takes home the gold on with us for our final episode of the baseball season two weeks from now. So again, thanks for that. Jake, why don't you give us your standout player of the week? All right. So my standout player of the week, I actually did two. Um, they were both, they were Jose Ramirez and Juan Soto, just because I thought this was very interesting. Um, they, together, they scored 115.7 points uh, over that two week matchup. And I know that we said Mike didn't score very high, but still, these two players combined for 24% of Mike's total output. That is an insane amount of points. Well, that's like an insane amount to get from two players to have them be a quarter of your total matchup of your, of your total matchup points over the course of two weeks. That's just, that, that is crazy. I thought that was an awesome stat. Um, yeah, that was just something I thought was really interesting. And since I was doing two players, uh, two players per week for the playoffs, I could knock out both with just that one stat. Bada boom, bada bing. That is Jake's pair of standout players of the matchup, we'll call it, since we're looking back at the last two weeks, of course. Matchup predictions. Jake, on the season, you are 60 and 36. I am 66 and 30. So pretty close. We're going to end the season uh, with very similar records overall. We both did very well, um, basically going two and one, I guess, if you were to simplify it all down. Let's get into our two matchups this week. Let's start off with the easy one, uh, the one that we basically are both going to pick by default, and that is weak pullout hitter versus team positivity, our third and fourth place matchup. Who do you got winning that one? I got team positivity winning this one against uh, Sam's lineup that's not all the way full. Yeah, I also have team positivity winning, assuming that he can put up positive points over the next two weeks. I think that's basically all it's going to take to take home third place in a top three finish. Interesting that Sam is giving up the $25 payout for third place for one draft spot or one chance at a better draft spot. Yeah. It's not even like, it's not even like it's a lock. It's just, you get better odds than anyone else to get a higher draft spot. It's not even a sure thing. Yeah, that is very interesting. Um, But I guess I respect it. I guess Uh, that brings us to our championship matchup prediction. I'll let you lead us off between Nick and Mike, between Pine Run Market and Big Money Mike. Who do you got taking the whole thing home? You know, it's the last matchup of the season that I needed to pick. So I haven't done it all year. I'm going to pick with my heart and let's have Mike bring home the tattoo. I love that pick. I love that pick. I hope that it comes to fruition just for the tattoo's sake and because. I, who knows? Maybe this is uh, speaking out of turn here, but I think that it would make Mike happier to win this title than it would Nick, especially after five long years of playing in the league. So I hope that Mike wins, but I chose Nick to win. I think that Nick's team is better. I was looking at this matchup and trying to find over and over again a way to justify picking Mike to win this matchup because I'm rooting for him. But I think that there's just too much to overcome with Nick's roster. I think there's so much uh, room for error with the team that Nick has constructed. And that's part of the reason why I voted for him as the best manager. He has kind of put together the way that he's structured the balance of true relief pitchers and sparps 
and the types of hitters that he is rostered or, or I should say put together for his starting lineup on offense. He's basically made as, as bulletproof of a lineup as you can get in a 12-teamer. So I got to go with Pine Run Market as my 2021 champion. Jake, let's uh, get into our Around the League portion of the podcast, and you can hit us with your league history fact of the week. All right, I got two more. Uh, this one, this year was the first year uh, that we did not have a week where half of the teams went 2-0 and and the other half went 0-2. And let me preface that by saying I went back and I was due, since I had extra time being eliminated in the first round and all, uh, I started updating the league history document. One of the things that I did was so we can compare teams in the uh, some of our older seasons to teams going forward. Um, I went and calculated all the medians and added all that data in there. So um, even though the wins are kind of unofficial, I credited them as win- as wins against the median, even though they wouldn't have counted for anything in those other seasons. And what I found was this was the, like I said, this was the first year that we did not have a week where we had all teams that went either 2-0 and or 0-2. Uh, there was at least one team each week this week, or each, each week this season, that went 1-1. One one. Uh, our second, my, my second league history back to the, of the week here is that Nick versus Jeremy was our highest scored playoff matchup so far this year uh, with a grand total of um, 1,122.5 points scored between those two teams. Uh, didn't quite come close to the highest scoring playoff matchup ever, though. That was the semifinals matchup between Jordan and I in 2019, where we scored 1,217.2 points. But only 2.2 points behind that was one of our very first playoff matchups, and that was the round one matchup between Nate and Keela in 2017, where a combined 1,215 points were scored. Goodness gracious. I don't even remember. Did I win that matchup? Do you know off the top you, of your head? You, you did win that matchup. Ooh, I was probably sweating. I was probably sweating bullets. Those are some good league history facts of the week, Jake. Thanks for that. Uh, and then our final edition of Jordy the General Sportsbook. Welcome to week 17 in the championship edition of the weekly sportsbook. Take it away, Jordan, one last time this season. What is up, everyone? Back another week of the sports book here. Uh, it's, it's the uh, championship week. I'm very excited to dig into this. Again, we are down to two matchups. Uh, we got our finals and our semifinals, Sam and Jerowin, Nick and Big Money Mike. First, going to look back at last week, I went three and two again. The record has improved to 65 and 35, hitting 65% of the picks. Uh, I've said all year on the show that I deliver winners and that, you know, proves it right there. I have the numbers to back me up here. Going to dig into these two matchups again to get my five locks. I'm going to take a uh, spread and a total from each matchup and then add on to the median. First, we're going to look at our, our um, consolation bracket matchup. We have Sam and Jerwin. Sam minus 31, total 985. Uh, not really surprised that Sam is the favorite here, although Jarwin outscored him last matchup. Um, is this a sign that maybe Sam uh, ran out of gas right before the finish? I don't know, but um, you know this is a great matchup to keep an eye on as this contains one of our biggest uh, blockbuster trades of the year. I think um, I think this could be a Corbin Burns revenge game, as we saw in LEL Monthly earlier this season. He uh, does not respect Jarwin or team positivity at all. 
I think Sam Rolls here, other than uh, last week, he's been a lot more consistent and scoring on an average higher than Jerwin has, even at Jerwin's high points throughout the latter half of the season, where um, you know, Jerwin's high two-week matchup was 507 points, whereas Sam's average has basically been over that. Um, so I think that I think that Sam's going to cover here. It's not a gigantic spread for a two-week matchup. I think that um, for the most part, I think Sam should be able to roll here. Um, I do think that both teams are able to put up a lot of points and will hit the over, but I do think it's going to be close. Um, one of the lowest that we've had so far. So I am taking Sam and the over in this consolation matchup. Now for the, uh, the main event here, Nick minus 32 against Mike total 1053 points. I'm um, not going to lie. I was a little bit surprised to see the projections come out with Nick as a favorite, but um, Mike has, has kind of struggled um, here for the last, um, you know, maybe quarter of the season. He's had a couple dud weeks. So I'm interested to see if he's able to put that past him and get back to his, um, his mentality earlier in the season of putting up a large amount of points here. You know, we've talked about it just about all year, how we've seen this boom or bust mentality out of Mike with his fantastic offense. We saw, um, you know, although he was able to advance, we saw a little bit of the bust mentality from Mike. I think that he takes a bit of a step forward here, though, because um, it's hard to keep Mike's team down for a while. It just has so much talent. Um, so actually, I am taking Mike to cover as an underdog. I don't know. I, I really don't have a good prediction for who's going to win here, but I like Mike to at least cover. I think it's going to be a very close matchup. Um, so I like, I think that Mike can do this. Um, you know, also, I think that the over is going to hit here. I think, you know, we saw Nick put up uh, over 600 points. And, uh, you know, although Mike struggled, that still would have sort of hit the over. Um, so just looking back at a lot of their previous matchups, even though uh, it seems like when one struggles, one really picks it up a notch and um, vice versa. So I think that they're going to hit the over here as they have the majority of the last few, you know, two-week extended matchups. So I'm taking Mike in the over here. Median, uh, you know, continuing to creep down as I'm as I'm learning how to properly evaluate and gauge these two-week matchups. It's down to 509 points. Um, I like the over in both of the matchups, which obviously means I'm going to love the over for the median. As I said before, uh, I went six. I'm 65 and 35 right now. So assuming worst-case scenario. I'm going to be 65 and 40, which is still 62% uh, success rate. Or, or I go 5-0, and 0, end up with a clean 70 and 35, jumping up to 66 or two-thirds correct. Either way, um, no, I just had a, such a blast for this inaugural season of the Sportsbook. Hope that you all enjoyed listening as much as I did getting this stuff together. Um, I, I think it's pretty interesting just seeing how close we are some weeks and how how far off we are in other weeks but hope that you guys enjoy um but yeah this is georgia the general sportsbook signing off for the final time this year well all right back to you guys that was Jordy the general's weekly sportsbook thanks jordan for a great season for all of your efforts uh we really appreciate it News and notes, our final news and notes section or segment, I should say, of the year. Uh, again, I took a focus on the teams that are still in the playoffs, and I specifically just focused on our two championship teams. So the first piece of news is that Blake Snell, 
was placed on the 10-day injured list with a left adductor groin strain. Snell was removed from last Sunday's start against the Dodgers after only 11 pitches due to the injury. And while the, while the left-hander was initially expected to be ready to make his next start, he's continued to feel soreness and will actually now miss the rest of the regular season. That is the regular baseball, or I should say the, the actual in real life regular season for baseball. I think that this is an absolute killer for Mike's uh, title chances personally, since Blake Snell was absolutely carrying his team. But I'm curious to hear what your thought is on that, Jake. First off, let me say this is a season ender for Blake Snell because the Padres are not making the playoffs, but, uh, I don't know about season killer, but it's Blake Snell kind of became the guy that, that Mike couldn't afford to lose just because when you're in those playoff matchups, like we've been kind of saying all year, if you have an ace, they can absolutely carry your carry you to a victory. If they have three starts, uh, when guys get rolling like that, like, or like Snell had been rolling, uh, they can make up for a lot of uh, kind of shortcomings of your roster. They can fill holes that uh, other players, other hitters or other players can't. But um, Snell kind of become the guy that like, he was sort of the ace of Mike's staff with, like you said, Woodruff struggling and Kershaw working his way back. Like Snell was that guy. And now that is going to, that is huge that he doesn't have him. Like, like I said, I think that even though he has, uh, like Soto and Ramirez and all those hitters that are great. I, I do think that Snell with the way that he was playing was kind of the guy that he could least afford to lose. And I don't know. I wouldn't quite say it goes like, I don't, I wouldn't say that this is absolutely killer for Mike's title chances, but it, this is about as big a blow as you can get. That's fair. That's fair. I, I might just be salty because Blake Snell absolutely destroyed me and my matchup with Mike back in round one. Um, but this next piece of news, this is one that I was not expecting, uh, but it might make it all worth it for Nick now going back two months when this big trade happened. Shane Bieber made a rehab start for AA Akron on Sunday after being out with a shoulder strain since mid-June. He threw two and a third, or t- sorry, two and two-thirds innings in a rehab start last Tuesday. And then yesterday he threw three and one-third innings in his second rehab appearance, I actually just went back to check the box score. He uh, ended up striking out four over those three and a third, so he looked pretty good. That's the final rehab start he needs. He could return on a reduced pitch count near the end of this coming week, or I should say this week that's already upon us. And it doesn't look like he'll have time to make more than probably just two major league starts before the end of the season. Uh, Jake, do you think that Shane Bieber will make his long-awaited impact for Nick in this championship matchup after he paid a lot for him, you know, two and a half months ago when he traded me Whit Merrifield and Matt Olson to get Shane Bieber. I don't think Nick should start him. Not even in, you don't even think in week two that he could make an impact for Nick? No. I don't know why you would, with the way that Nick's pitchers have been, they've been very consistent. He hasn't really had, I mean, I guess maybe Valdez has struggled a little bit, but that how much are you really going to trust Shane Bieber on a reduced pitch count for a team that we know is not going to push him? How, how many points do you really think he's going to get? He's not going to get volume. We know that he was already struggling a little bit before. Like he's been off since what? Mid June now. Yep. I, I think, I don't think that he's someone that you need to start 
maybe unless Mike pops off the first week and Nick's down a lot, Bieber's lined up for two starts, maybe you take a flyer, but even then it's just I, I just don't think this is really a dark throw that would has a has that high of a ceiling. Like I don't know if he'll go five innings each time. Yeah, that's the second question, Jake, is if the matchup is close heading into week two, does that increase your chances of potentially throwing Shane Bieber in the lineup if you're Nick? Could he be, you know, that quote-unquote league winner that you give a look to if the matchup's really close heading into week two? Uh, I'd have to look at what he, who Bieber was starting against. That would probably be the biggest thing. Um, I would bank on him not getting five innings. Like, I think he would get... Like, I would say that he'd probably top out at like 12 or 13 points. Like that's his absolute ceiling because I, I can't see him getting a whole lot of volume and there's a real chance that he would be rusty. I'm assuming that he's going to be babied just because like, why, why would they push him? They're out of the playoffs. They're there's, there's no need. These, these last, this last week for the, for Cleveland is not going to mean anything. It's just, it, it's a, it's seems like it's, way too risky to start Shane Bieber, even though he was kind of the premier pitcher last year. He's still a great pitcher, but that's just too short notice. I mean, anybody but DeGrom really who can rack up the strikeouts like he can is really kind of the only one that I would start if he's, if I knew that he was only making, if he was only going to go like three or four innings. There you have it on Shane Bieber. Jake, any words of wisdom, words of advice, words of encouragement to share as uh, the four-time returning, you're not returning to the championship this year, but each of the last four years, you have been in the championship. So do you have anything to share with these two guys as they embark on their first championship appearance? All right, the biggest... The, the, the best advice I can offer is to is don't get cute because that is what kills you. Uh, I will again recount the 2019 championship game where I got down. I was down. I was losing to Courtney at the end of week one. I don't, I don't think it was by that much. Uh, Clayton Kershaw had been struggling. Uh, not too bad, but he's still been struggling all the same. And I had my waiver wire at Adam Wainwright. Who had two starts that week. Um, I started Wainwright over Kershaw, even though Kershaw had been a great pitcher that year. He'd been one of my rock solid aces all year. Uh, did not work out. And actually, that was the difference of the matchup. So I would have won if I would have just stuck with my guns. I would have started, if I would have started Kershaw, it would have been fine. Uh, but I did not. I got too cute and started Wainwright instead. And I think that that is something that pretty easy to do you kind of back away from your from your studs but uh those waiver wire guys are on waivers for a reason especially now that we've moved to 12 teams those waiver wire ads are even worse at this point even i can even extend it to some bench guys my advice would be to start your studs and they're the guys that got you here and i would not kind of not back away shy away from them it would take a really really dreadful string of performances for me to pull any of my my better players at this point so I think that uh, that's definitely something to watch out for. So that's my that's my biggest piece of advice I would offer both Nick and Mike. And to add to that, Adam Wainwright was not the guy in 2019 that he is in 2021. Not even close. Yes, that that's definitely should be should be noted. He was on waivers at the end of the year, 
and he had been very bad to that point. There you go. Do not get cute, Nick or Mike. Don't don't want to put in a player that could potentially lose you your entire season. But that's it for me and Jake on episode 23 of our fantasy baseball podcast here on the Best Player Wins series. We'll be back two weeks from now after the championship round is over to recap the championship matchup itself, to recap the season, to kind of look back on uh, some of the things that we said early in the season. Like maybe we'll revisit our bold predictions. Maybe we'll revisit some of the picks in the draft that we liked or disliked. Um, all that in store for our very last episode of the season. And we'll be joined by whoever wins this championship matchup. So we look forward to that. And thanks for listening all season. We'll look forward to bringing you guys one more episode to close out the season here in two weeks. So thanks again. And we will talk to you in two weeks. Yeah.